Oh, hello, masters. Producer Smeagol here. Just wanted to let you know that the audio quality isn't the best at the very beginning of this podcast because the stupid Fred Hobbitsons decides to record in the car. Why did they record in the car? So many road noises. We has to edit it so much to get the quality to be listenable. Why, stupid Hobbitsons? We hate them forever. But I hope it's okay with you. Please enjoy. What's lightsabers precious on the road? The Lord of the Rings and Star Wars Encyclopodcast, where we waste time in fictional wikis, and also on the road. I'm Ryan. And I'm Joanna on the road. To Denny's, that is. Yeah, we're going to Denny's. We're making the Denny's run in less than 12 parsecs. Much less than 12 parsecs. 12 minutes, maybe. Possibly, but probably not, because there's construction everywhere, because it's Michigan in the late spring. Hey, Joanna, don't tell me the odds. All right, I won't then, but I will tell you that it sucks that there's no Denny's in our town. It does suck, but these are the things we go through for our podcast listeners. So I am your your roguish pilot, and Joanna's my my alien sidekick with a life debt to me, and we're going to make it there, and we're going to sample the solo menu. It's a bit of a drive, though, so... Do you have anything to talk about on the way there? Oh, Ryan. Oh, do I? Because if the one ring.net is to be believed, which they typically are. Yes. We finally know what at least the first season of the Amazon billion dollar Lord of the Rings extravaganza series is going to be about. What? Yes. Can you take a guess? Well, I already told you, so... It's going to be about baby Gandalf. It's going to be about baby Aragorn. Well, not a baby so much. I mean, it's not Muppet Babies, but... It should be, though. It's going to be Aragorn as a young buck. Wow, all right. That's great. And I think it's a very, very smart move on Amazon's part because it is sort of the expanded Tolkien legendarium. Yeah. But... Aragorn is a character people are familiar with. Right. He grows up in Rivendell. It's just a place people are familiar with. With Elrond, is a person they're familiar with. He visits Gondor. He visits Rohan. He hangs out with Gandalf. These are all things that people who like Lord of the Rings know about already. And so it's not as much of a pill to swallow as it would be if they had been doing more, like, Silmarillion Age stuff. Right. Okay. I think it's going to be cool. It's a prequel, though, which always... You think it'll be, like... Necessary, or will it give us any insight that we wouldn't have had otherwise? Oh, is it going to be necessary? No, <laughs> absolutely not. This has been unnecessary since day one. Yeah. However, I can still be excited. Oh yeah, watch it. That sounds pretty cool. Because they've got my number, and I'm very easy to please. So, All right. basically anything Lord of the Rings related is going to be great for me. So yeah, that's what it's going to be about. Ninety percent sure, but that's only the first. Season. So we don't know what subsequent seasons are going to be about. Are they still going to be about Aragorn? Are they going to be about other characters? We don't know. There's going to be at least five. So Season two, where Tom Bombadil has been the whole time. That would be incredible, but that would be a much harder sell than Aragorn because people who are fans just based on the movies don't know Tom Bombadil. Now, over under on them getting like... Vigo to do narration be like, I was a young Aragorn. Or like, <laughs> Hugo Weaving to show up as Elrond and be like, I'm your dad. I, I'm your, well, your foster dad. Yeah. I don't anticipate there being any of the 
Peter Jackson movie cast involved. Is I it don't. gonna be in the same aesthetic sense of the Peter Jackson movies? I don't know. We'll have to see it. Maybe they'll make it their own thing, or maybe not. Go full Ralph Bakshi. So we'll have to find out. I've got another piece of news. What's that? Um, the Tolkien Society released their list of annual award winners. Did you get one? I did not get an award, but uh, guess, guess what one best book? You'll never guess. Probably the one that just came out. Baron and Luthien! Yeah. One best book. Who could have guessed? Wow. The one Tolkien book that came out that year. It feels a little bit slanted in his favor. Was there anything up against it? Um, as far as I could tell, no. <laughs> but I will tell you that somebody got like an award for special contribution, and naturally it was... It was us for our podcast. No, I wish it was Priscilla Tolkien. Oh. See these? How are you not going to give it to Priscilla? Her special contribution in the world is like her gene pool. Thanks, Prissy. Thanks, Prissy. So yeah, that came out. That was exciting, if wildly biased. Do you have any Star Wars news? Uh, no, not on hand. Now, wait, what about the news that Lando Calrissian is oh, yeah. pansexual? Does that count as news, though? Uh, it counts as news in the same sense that J.K. Rowling suddenly announcing that Dumbledore was gay counts as news. There's a golem here. I just wanted to pop in to let you know that right here, they gets on the highway, and the audio gets really bad. So if you hate your ears, keeps listening. But don't worry, masters. It gets better when it gets to Denny's. We promises. We promises, master. See, again, I, I told you this earlier, but if they want to put their money where their mouth is, when Solo comes out, I better see Lando making out with, like, a plant or, like, Dice Ibigon, the Florm Lamproid, and, like, yeah. prove that he likes everything. He will do everything. Everything. I am of two minds about this, because on the one hand... Maybe there's some, like, 15-year-old Star Wars fan out there who is pansexual, and knowing that Lando Calrissian is also canonically pansexual will make that person feel happy. That's good, right? Like, I know back when I was really, really into Sherlock, when it was, like, 2012, thinking that Sherlock was canonically asexual made me feel really happy. Okay. And then Stephen Moffat came out and said that that was, like, too boring, and then I felt very, very sad. Um, but... On the other hand, it's like you said, they're probably not going to put their money where their mouth is. They're probably not going to show Lando in any sort of romantic or sexual scenario with somebody who's not clearly female or female-coded. So it feels a bit empty to me. But if it makes somebody feel happy, that's great. That doesn't make me happy. What would make you happy? Lando making out with a foreign lamproid. Yeah, I know. Well, we can always hope, Ryan. Okay. And with that, I would like to tell you some stuff about hobbits. Honestly, I thought you were going to talk to me about the namesake of Denny's, which is... What is the namesake of Denny's? Well, the steward of Gondor, Denethor. Denny. <laughs> Sloppy eater. Can you imagine if he was called Denny? Like, Denny. it would take so much grab, it's just like, Denny, son of Exthelion. Denny Thor. Denny Thor. If you have to talk about uh, one of the big eaters in Middle-earth, you might as well talk about more hobbits. Alright, well I'm going to talk about hobbits, I'm going to talk about the four major hobbits from Lord of the Rings, but I'm also going to talk about the fifth forgotten hobbit. 
Who, like the fifth beetle? Like the fifth beetle. Do you know who the fifth forgotten hobbit is? I bet you don't because you've never talked about it before. Bilbo Baggins. It's, no, well, in what world is Bilbo forgotten? No, this is an entirely different one. And I reckon you probably, you, you would have read about him in The Fellowship of the Ring when you read it. But I reckon you don't remember him. Okay, well, don't spoil it for me now. I don't need to tell me at the end. I'll save it for the end. All right, so first, we're going to talk about Numero Uno. The main dude, the big man on campus, Frodo Baggins. Frodo! Frodo of the Nine Fingers in the Ring of Doom. Yeah. Frodo is the son of Drogo Baggins and Primula Brandybuck. So, half Baggins, half Brandybuck. Probably, like, half Took and half Gamgee for all I know, because I feel like their gene pool, their family tree out in the Shire is like a wreath. They're all kissing cousins, huh? Yeah. Frodo was born... In the Third Age, 2968, okay. which is 1368 by Shire Reckoning. And Frodo's dad, before he was born, Drogo, had left Hobbiton and moved to Buckland to live with his wife's family. Okay. Because, I don't know, they had, like, nicer jigs, right? They had Brandy Buck Hall. It was, like, banging. Right. But, unfortunately, when Frodo was 12 in 2980, Drogo and Primula, for some reason, decided to take a little boat trip, and the boat capsized, and they died. See, that sounds like a freak accident to me. Um, yes, I think that's what it's supposed to be, although I know you had a theory that Bush did it. Bush did Drogo Baggins. Yeah. So, I mean, that's possible. It could be part of a conspiracy. What was it? It was something about you thought that the thane of the two yeah, was conspiring the with the mayor. It's all the same, baby, it's all, all the same. The way down. was going to blow the lid wide off it. Yeah, you got to silence it before they can say too much. Regardless of why it happened, when Frodo was 12, he was orphaned. Aww. Uh, but he was very close to his distant cousin Bilbo, who he calls his uncle, even though he's not his uncle, he's his cousin. So nine years after the loss of his parents, when Frodo was 21, Bilbo officially adopted him. Aww. So Frodo was, like, technically Bilbo's adopted son. That's cool. I didn't know that. Yeah. And at that time, Frodo moved from Buckland into Bag End in Hobbiton. Frodo lived with Bilbo at Bag End for 12 years until he was age 33, which is the age of majority for hobbits. Okay. So he, until he became an adult. And he was also known as kind of an eccentric. So it was said by other hobbits that he would meet with elves in the woods. And Bilbo let him read his diary of the journey to Erebor. Okay. So Frodo took quite an interest in the outside world, and he learned Elvish, both of which were frowned upon in Hobbiton society. In the year 3001, Bilbo had this giant birthday party, as we know, on the 22nd of September, which was both his birthday, 111, and Frodo's birthday, 33. And after that, as we know from the movies and the book, he took off leaving Frodo his inheritance. I'm going to skip some of the Lord of the Rings stuff, but I will note that it was actually 17 years between Bilbo's birthday party and when Frodo departed See, that's to how destroy I, the ring. I feel like it's not super clear in the film version. It's not. He's like, oh, a week later, I'm back. And, and part of the reason it's not clear, too, is because Frodo does not appear to age. No, he... Elijah Wood got a nice soft face. Yes. The reason he doesn't appear to age, the justification for it, is that he has the wit, the ring. So Frodo basically looks 33 forever. Okay. Even though when he departs on his quest, he is actually, it's the day after his 50th birthday. All right. Interesting. After the events of Lord of the Rings, Frodo never married, mm-hmm. never had any kids. He got, unfortunately, 
wicked bad post-traumatic stress disorder, which is understandable. This yeah, is yeah. something that Tolkien had been exposed to in his life because he was in World War One when he was basically a baby. I mean, he was, I think, a, still a teenager or in his extremely early 20s. And he got his finger bitten off by a German soldier when he was trying to throw a grenade into a volcano. And <laughs> yeah, his secret mission. See, he was in the Special Forces. His secret mission was to destroy a volcano by throwing a grenade in there. Right. Which he did in the end. Well, actually, the German soldier picked up the grenade and started jumping around celebrating and then fell into the volcano. And blew up. It was the German soldier that did it all that time. But no, so he had seen friends and comrades have post-traumatic stress disorder, as it would have been called at the time, I believe, battlefield fatigue or shell shock. Sure. And so this is something that Frodo went through. Uh, it was sort of yearly cycle for him when the anniversary of getting stabbed on Weathertop rolled around. Yeah, we all got those days. Wound we get would age. Stab days, you know. Yeah, they're stabbed. It. Yeah, yeah. A stab wound in the shoulder that never actually heals. Oh, we all got those. So eventually, his mental anguish was such that he decided to leave for the Undying Lands of Valinor, where he could rest peacefully, and he did this the last year of the Third Age, 3021, when he was 53 years old. However, sad fact that I, like, almost hate to bring up, being in Valinor didn't make him immortal. Oh, no. He's still mortal. So he basically went to Valinor for, like, retirement. Okay. I mean, that's not so bad. He still died, though. Right, right. Later. He's not an elf. He's not an elf. He's not immortal. He still dies, which means that even after Sam went there to join him, they were reunited, which is nice, but, I mean, only until they both died. Gotcha. Inevitably. For a long time, I thought it made them immortal, and Frodo and Sam could just hang out together in Valinor forever and ever, but no. that is not what happened. But let's talk about Sam. Sam was Sam, born... the true hero of the Lord of the Rings. I think by most people's reckoning, yes. He was born April 6th, 2980 of the Third Age, making him, see, 12 years younger than Frodo. Okay. And he passed over the sea in late September, year 61 of the Fourth Age, when he was 102 years old. Okay, real quick. Yes. What demarcated the end of the Third Age and start of the Fourth Age, and why did Frodo wait for the very last day? Okay, so this is like really ludicrously complicated. Okay, well, so maybe, maybe save it for a different No, 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 I'm going to say it. So in September of the Third Age, 3021... That was the year that Frodo left, right? Right. In September of that year, the three rings that had been gifted to the elves passed away, and that was held to be the end of the Third Age. No more rings. However, right? yes. However, for bookkeeping purposes, they backdated it to March of 3021. No. Why Tolkien has to make it that complicated? I don't know. I guess he's just trying to be realistic. So the first eight year of the fourth age started March of 3021 of the third age. Okay. Yes, I know. It's like very confusing. All right. So, but back to Sam. Sorry. Yes. So Sam was the son of Hamfast Gamgee and oh. Bell Goodchild. Those are good names. Yes. He was the youngest son of the family. His siblings were Hampson, Halfred, Daisy, May, and Marigold. I love Hobbit names. And Sam was the father of... <gasps> Eleanor, Frodo, Rosemary, Pippin, Goldilocks, Hamfast, Daisy, Primrose, Bilbo, Ruby, Robin, and Tolman. Wow. I noticed at least yes. two or three of those names are of his friends. Yeah, so he named one of his children after each of the three other hobbits. Yeah. And also Bilbo. Yeah, I noticed. Yes. 
and he named his oldest child Eleanor, who inherited uh, presumably his estate and also the, the red book that Bilbo and Frodo had written when he left. He named her Eleanor after the white flowers that he saw growing when he was in Lothlorien. Ah, nice. Yeah, so it's still a flower name, but it's a little bit more of an exotic flower That's name. Cool, I like it. So we all know that Sam was a gardener, a simple hobbit of plain speech, but perhaps due to his close proximity to Bilbo growing up, like helping his dad out with work when he was little and then later taking over his gardener for Bilbo, he got really interested in elves, he got really interested in poetry, and he got really interested in the outside world. And all of this, of course, was nurtured by Bilbo Baggins, who sort of tutored him. I remember reading somewhere that the reason Sam knows how to read. The reason he's literate is because Bilbo taught him, but I've never been able to, like, source check that or find that fact ever again. I really like it, but, like, I cannot confirm it in any way, shape, or form. Well, I think that's cute. Yeah, it's cute, right? It. I choose to believe it. So at age 38, Sam left the Shire to destroy the ring, and at age 41, he bid goodbye to Frodo when Frodo left for Valinor. In the year seven of the fourth age, so Sam would have been 48, he was elected mayor of the Shire for seven consecutive terms of seven years each. Wow, 49 He was the mayor years. for 49 years. Good for him, that's yeah, great. Yeah, which is like pretty good because he was a fairly lowly birth. Right. But I think that his association with major families, his role in the Fellowship of the Ring, his role in the Scouring of the Shire sort of elevated him and he became the mayor. And he's a hero. Yeah. His wife died, Rosie, Rose Cotton, died Aww. in the year 61 of the Fourth Age when Sam was 102. So he gave the Red Book over to his daughter Eleanor and he left the Shire and he was allowed to pass over the sea because he had also borne the ring right. for a short amount of time. Right. And he was reunited with Frodo in the Undying Lands, which is sweet. That is sweet. Yeah. So anyone who bears the ring can cross over. Anybody who, yes. So, so that's if, why Bilbo can also go. So if Gollum hadn't gotten burned up by lava, he could have gone to the Undying Lands? That's like an interesting question that I have never thought of before. Could Gollum <laughs> have gone to the Undying Lands if he had not gotten burned up in Mount I mean, Doom? he's basically undying already, so let's let him he's go. Not good person though like he destroyed the ring accidentally I wonder I want I mean I guess if other hobbits can go and Gollum was like basically a hobbit yeah maybe maybe he could have gone but you know what I kind of feel like because his life had already been so unnaturally long if he hadn't burned up in the volcano I feel like he sort of would have crumbled to dust as soon as the yeah. ring was destroyed don't you he was like 500 yeah. years old probably yeah so that's kind of my thought on that okay now let's talk about Mary Doc Brandybuck, or Mary. Yeah. By the way, um, Mary Doc means the great one in Old Welsh. So because, remember how I said that there was a tradition out among the more noble Hobbit families of giving their children just these incredibly bombastic names? Yes. Mary Doc was definitely one of I those. I was going to say, it sounds pretty over the top. Yes. He was the son of Sarah Doc Brandybuck and Esmeralda Took, and he was born in 2,982 of the third age, so two years after Sam, mm -hmm. and he died in year 70 of the fourth age, age 109. He would have grown up in close proximity to Frodo because Frodo was raised at Brandybuck Hall. So that's why Frodo is so close with Mary. Okay. Also close with Pippin, I guess, just because of their family relationship, and maybe Pippin visited a lot? I'm not sure, but he's described at the beginning of Lord of the Rings as being one of Frodo's close friends. Right. Along with uh, Fulkel, 
Poco Boffin, and Fredegar Bolger. So those four are like Frodo's besties. Gotcha. All right, so on the quest of the ring, Mary was 36 years old. We all know he was captured by orcs, and then he rode with Eowyn of Rohan, defeated the Lord of the Nazgul. Mm-hmm. After he returned to the Shire, he married Estella Bolger, who had at least one son, but we don't know anything about the son. We know there had to have been one, because at some point it's mentioned that Merry and Pippin bequeath their estates to their sons. Oh, okay. But we don't know what this dude's name was. But 13 years after he returned to the Shire, Merry succeeded his dad to become the Master of Buckland. But we don't know what being Master of Buckland is. I don't know, but he was the greatest one. But he was the great it, one. The great wall, I guess. Maybe his son was Marius Doc. Marius Doc. Marrier Doc. Marrier Doc. Marrier Doc. The greater one. Hard to say. Hard to say. At least in Buckland, he was the greater one. The great, great one. BT Dubs. Yeah. His wife, Estella Bolger, was the sister of Fredegar Bolger, Frodo's friend. And Fredegar um, is kind of an important figure who's going to come up later, so that's why I'm mentioning it. Okay. Now let's talk about Pippin. Yep. Pippin was born in 2990 of the Third Age and lived 101 years. This means he was 28 when he went on the quest with the Fellowship, which is a baby. He was still a minor. Like, he was a child. It's young for Hobbit years. Yes, he was a little bit of a baby, which is kind of interesting because Billy Boyd was actually the oldest of the actors playing the Hobbits, but he was playing by far the youngest Hobbit. Hmm, interesting. Yeah, I don't know. It's just the way it worked out. He was the son of Paladin Took the Second of Great Smiles. Ooh, Paladin. And his mother was Eglantine Banks. It's a really, really super bombastic name. I like him, yeah. Yes. Right, so he was 28 when he went on the quest of the ring. And when he was at 43, after everything with Lord of the Rings went down, he inherited the title of Thane of the Shire. Oh, he's one of those guys. He was the Thane, the Turkish Thane, who had power relatively equal to the mayor, so a big deal. And 43 was extremely young. Right, To yeah. be doing this. That is like early 20s equivalent for humans. Wow. And during his thingship, he remained in close contact with Gondor, and he built a library of historical importance at the Great Smiles. Cool. Yeah. So, like, a lot of the books he collected were about the history of Numenor and the exiles after the downfall. And so, like, the Hobbits didn't really care about that. Like, they were not interested. But um, the larger world definitely was. He married Diamond of Longcleave. Okay. And they had one son, Faramir took the first. Faramir. Faramir, because he kind of struck up a friendship with Faramir. Right, yeah, that's cool. His best friend, um, as I recall, in the book, the person he talked to the most when he was in Gondor was like this 10-year-old kid, but who didn't make it in the movie, which oh. is unfortunate. But What's his name? I can't remember his name, but he was the son of like one of the captains of the guard. Okay. Yeah, and it was kind of cute, because, you know, Pippin's basically a kid, and this is a kid. Yeah. having kid times. Kid around. Nice fun teen times. Now, I thought this 
would be kind of an interesting thing to do. So I actually calculated the Hobbit's ages in people years uh -huh. when they were on the Fellowship of the Ring. Right. So basically what I did is I made 33, their coming of age, I made that equivalent to R18. Right. And I know, depending on the culture and the time period, coming of age has been seen as anywhere from like 13 to 20. But I just chose 18. That's well, the most common these yeah, days. Yeah, when, when the hobbits can buy cigs and exactly. <laughs> buy a beer, buy yeah. a brew, like inherit well, property. They can't buy a beer at 18, Joanna. I mean, unless they're in Canada. No, you know what, though? Um, the drinking age must be lower because Pippin was definitely drinking a lot of beer and he was underage. Well, it's probably like England, but there's not like, a proper drinking age. Like... I think England does have a proper drinking age. Germany does. Oh, that's what I meant Germany, yeah. yeah. So Frodo would have been about 27. But he looked 18 because of the ring's influence, which is good because Elijah Wood has a tiny little baby face. Yeah. Sam would have been at the equivalent of about 21. Okay. Mary would have been 19 to 20. Pippin would have been 15. Oh, okay. By that calculation. So he would have been really, really young, which is a sort of mitigating factor for him being so stupid. Well, I was going to say, those two boys seem pretty immature to begin with. Mary and Pippin, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Definitely. Well, like a 15-year-old boy and a 19-year-old boy, like, not the, the pinnacle of maturity. No, actually. definitely not. Now I want to tell you about the Forgotten Fifth Hobbit. Okay, hopefully these bumps in the road aren't making it hard to hear. We'll see. You might have picked up from context clues who this was going to be, but it is Fredegar Bolger. Is that Fatty Bolger? Fatty Bolger. I know Fatty Bolger. Called Fatty because fat. he was fat. Yeah, so not too subtle. He was a friend of Frodo in the Shire, as I mentioned before, and he actually had a really pivotal role in The Lord of the Rings. And it does not get discussed or appreciated. Okay. So in the book, in the movie they make it seem like Frodo just packed up and left the Shire like in one night. Right. In the book it was this whole big production that took like months of planning. And Frodo actually moved to a house in Crick Hollow, which was like around Brandywine, Buckland, uh, first. And he, which he bought like under an assumed name. And Freddy, after Frodo left on his quest, Freddy returned to the Shire and pretended to be Frodo. But and he's that was that. Well, that was to draw the attention of the Nazgul away. Oh wow, Fatty. From the hobbits as they move towards Mount Doom. Good guy. Yeah, I know. So that's pretty important role by delaying the Nazgul, by drawing their eye away for a little while, he that could have been like the turning point of the whole quest. Right, they go to Bag End and like, this one's too fat! <laughs> yeah! <laughs> 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 let himself go! Being on it by Nazgul is very stressful. Right. He was actually supposed to go with the other hobbits originally, but then he was too scared of the old forest. Well, he, okay. So if he couldn't make it past the old forest, like, he definitely wasn't going to make it to Mordor. No, so they're no, like, no. all right, fine, you stay behind, you pretend to be Frodo, you're like our decoy. And on September 30th, after the other hobbits had left, Fatty was actually attacked by Nazgul. Oh, no. Yeah. Fatty. He, he lived, okay. but he was attacked by Nazgul. In early drafts of The Lord of the Rings, so Tolkien, as we know, as you may know, wrote it like over and over again. Right. And he would start over from scratch every time. In early drafts, Fatty played a much larger role, but that was later abandoned. So his presence is kind of like this anomaly. Like he's just kind of a spare guy in the book now. But it could be argued that he is maybe one of the most significant heroes of The War of the Ring. And he's an unsung hero. Yes. In the extended edition of The Fellowship of the Ring, there's actually a very brief 
appearance of Fatty. When Frodo is greeting everybody at his party, he's like, mm-hmm. brace girdles, proud feet, da-da-da. He says bulgers, and you see a group of bulgers go, yeah, and one of them is fat. That's fatty. That's fatty, or so it is thought, yes. For the, for the fatty fans out there. All you fatty fans. Uh, that is all I have to say about hobbits. Oh, that's interesting. I like all the, the life's continued after their adventure, and yeah, outside I like of Frodo, that too. they mostly came out okay. They mostly turned out all right. They all had pretty good, pretty significant lives. Yeah. And everybody had kids, and I feel like, though... The way Tolkien did it, it feels like really organic because they got married to people who weren't involved right. in it's a major like way Harry in the Potter story. It's not like Harry Potter where it's like literally every major character married every other major character and they named all their children. Well, I guess the, the Hobbits did name their kids after major well, players in Lord of the Rings, but it's kind of understandable. Right. And yeah, it's not like we didn't meet anyone new in college. We didn't do anything besides talk to our old school friends after that. Right. It's so. like so lame. Right. But Tolkien made it feel organic and nice and I like it. I do too. Yeah. So that's what I have to say about Hobbits. Very good. You made it through all the car driving so you must clearly hate yourself. No, it's okay. They've made it to Denny's now so the audio will be much better. Thanks be to you for listening. So we've made it. We've made it. we made it to Denny's. In less than 12 parsecs. It looks like there's actually only two items on the menu. Might only be two menus. Hold on. Well, I know what I'm going to get. Okay. I'm going to get the co-reactor pancake breakfast. I'm going to do the blaster fire burger. (laughs) Those are the two choices they have. Oh, they tell you the calories. That's dangerous. (laughs) That's a lot. (laughs) But no, we made it all the way here. We have to do it. What do you have to tell me about Star Wars now that we're here? Well, you know, Han Solo movie's coming out. Yes. This coming week on yes. Friday. And it's going to cover the life of the young Han Solo. And so I'm pretty sure none of the stuff that I read when I was a kid is going to be in it. So I wanted to talk to you about what I know about young Han Solo. Ooh, they go and, back into his history? Well, they did in the universe. Uh, Was he universe. always such a sarcastic rogue? Oh, you'll find out, yes. All right. Here's how it was in the extended universe when I was a kid. He was born in th- 29 BBY on Corellia. So around the time of the Battle of Yavin, you can figure Han's about 29. Okay. Yeah. I think that's about the age that Harrison Ford was. Maybe yeah. like very early 30s mm-hmm. or something like yep. that. He started life as an orphan, street kid. And eventually he was picked up by a smuggler, bounty hunter, pirate, con artist, and general ne'er-do-well named Garrus Shrike. Garrus? Garrus Shrike. Like my boyfriend from Mass Effect. Except not a bug man. He's, he's a human. Collaboration. He's a human. I mean, calibrations. He yeah. didn't say collaboration. <laughs> <laughs> I just gotta finish up a few of these collaborations. Well, as I listed, he wasn't a great dude. Yeah. Um, and he basically... Uh, he basically trained little Han in like all kinds of underhanded enterprises, like pickpocketing and and grifts and things like that. Oh, I see. This is where his roguishness came in. Right. So even from a, from a very young age, like ten years old, he's stealing things. He's grifting people. He's being a little little street urchin boy. So during this time, Han befriended the cook of Garrus Strike's ship, uh, which was a Wookiee named Dulana. Dula, a female one? Yeah. Oh, okay. You guys are ready? Yeah, yeah I, think so. I think so. Thank you. You're welcome. All right. I am going to have the co-reactor pancake okay, breakfast. Okay, perfect. How you want to have your eggs? Over easy. It's good. Okay, yeah. Bacon or sausage? Um, actually, I don't eat meat. Well, so I'll, I'll, eat, I'll eat your sausage. Oh, you eat my sausage? Well, yeah. sausage. Okay. Yeah. 
salsa Perfect. Thank you. You're welcome. Uh, okay. I'm gonna get the blaster fire burger. They come with uh, tighter tats, is okay? That's great, yes. Blaster burger. Yeah, yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. So, Wookiee, right? Female Wookiee. Yes. And she treated Han like her own child, taking care of him when he was sick, <gasps> giving him lots of respect. How old was he at this time? He was a little boy. He's like a, you know, he's early, well, you know, he's a tween. So, like, oh, tween. Well, tweens don't deserve. Well, you know, he's like nine or ten. You know? <laughs> tweens don't deserve our, our mothering instincts or sympathy. But obviously, as like a street urchin kid, he didn't have a lot of education. But Dulana took it upon herself to teach him mathematics, physics, history. Wow. And most importantly, Shri Wook. Language of Wookiees. Okay, so that's how he can understand. But how come he never answers Chewie and Shriwook? He's always just like, that's right, Chewie. I think it's hard to, for humans to pronounce with the, our vocal cords. Okay, but he can understand it. Right. There's a little quote from Han here. He's like, she was the only one who gave a Varelt's ass if I lived or died. Knowing that made me a pragmatist, I guess. So, oh, okay, a what's ass? A Varelt. Now, how, how big is that? I like, I need to, like, imagine how much of an ass people weren't giving about him. I imagine a Varelt's pretty tiny. I mean, think so about people it. were only giving him. They weren't even giving him a tiny. Well, think about ass. think about a rat's ass, right? Yeah, a Varelt's ass, a teeny little ass, probably smaller and, than and that not, even. But, and yet, nobody would even spare that amount of ass for him. No, except for Dulana. Okay, his Wookiee mom. Oh, that's so sweet. Isn't that sweet? So while he was working for Shrike, he made all kinds of adventures for himself. He did a lot of swoop racing. Yeah, you know what swoop is? Uh. I know, I don't. It's basically a speeder bike. Oh, okay. Just like a little faster. Is it like, okay, so it's so I, I should be thinking of those things that they ride around on Endor? Yes. Basically. Yes. Okay. Uh, he got really popular in the independent circuit of swoop racing. Okay. He was, he was young teen and he got into. Now this is swoop racing. Exactly, yeah. He got in a rivalry with this fellow jockey named Dengar. Uh-huh. Sounds like a Pokemon, but It okay. does. Dengar, Dengar. During one highly publicized race on the crystal swamps of Agrilat, Solo caused Dengar to crash headfirst into a crystalline plant and severely crippled him in the process. He caused him to do that on purpose? To win the race, baby. That's Live or die. That's a bad thing to do, Han Solo. Well, Dengar held a grudge against him. I know he's morally gray, but that's yeah. like a pretty black. I mean, yeah. You can see why Dengar was not keen on Mr. Solo. Held a grudge against him for the rest of his well, life. For crippling him? I can't imagine why. And later he became a bounty hunter and was one of the guys in Empire Strikes Back on board of the Star Destroyer sent to look for him. Dengar? Dengar's the guy with the diaper on his head. <laughs> was that his disability after he crashed? I used, call, I used to call him Diaper Heaven when I was a kid. <laughs> Ever since I got in that swoop bike accident, I poop out my head. <laughs> my head contents is all screwed up. I hate you on solo. Boo. You made, my head you made me crash to a crystal tree, now my head poops. <laughs> He's like the ugliest bounty hunter in the in the lineup, and that's including like Zuckus. So yeah, right, you know. which is saying something. So anyway, that's one adventure. One time, he, he cheated at cards. He got sent to a penal colony Ooh. and was forced to fight in a gladiatorial arena. So he's done time. He's done time. He's got warrants. He does got warrants. He, he beat the gladiator arena somehow. Uh, as the first time he ever met Boba Fett. Oh, really? So he had, like, a history with Boba. Yes, yes. Wait, was Boba, like, a gladiator? No, he was just watching. He was part of the... So how did Han meet him? He's, well, he kind of met him, saw him while he was there, kind of brushed past him, and so um, that's a cool-looking guy. Okay. <laughs> I bet he's going to hunt me someday. <laughs> he just had this feeling. Yeah. Uh, all through his teen years, Han wanted to learn more about his family. He was an orphan, right? Yeah. And Shrike would not tell him anything about it, not even his family name. So he didn't know he was even a solo. Did Shrike know? Shrike knew. But eventually, Dulana spilled the beans, because she's a nice lady. 
And she told me he's part of the Solo line, which is a famous lineage on, on Corellia. In fact, he descended from the same family as Barathon E. Solo, who's okay. the last king of Corellia. Of course, he has to have like a royal heritage. Well, he's a special king because he's the one who instituted democracy on Corellia. Okay. He's the last king. Okay. Still, though, I think Still. it's kind of better if Hanzo is like just a normal guy. Well, this is only came in later. It was in a later book okay. where it was like there was all this debate over whether he should be allowed to be marrying Princess Leia, who's royalty. Oh, they're like, because. But that's why, so like C3PO noted in his bloodline he had this royal blood and so it'd be okay. I think that a better lesson would have been like, who cares? Yeah. Well, there was a little story where he went to go meet his solo relatives on Corellia. Yeah. And because there was two living relatives that he had. And one was basically like a crazy woman who lived in an attic. Yeah. And the other one was like a con artist. Okay, so, so Apple doesn't fall So the he decided, nah, family's not my thing. I'm so, gonna... yeah, so one of his relatives is like literally Grace Poole. Yeah, exactly. Cool from Jane Eyre, that's yeah, awesome. Yeah, yeah, real creative. In 10 BBY, so Han's like 19 years old, he decided it was time to leave Shrike. I know who I am. I don't need to be working under this criminal anymore. I can do my own thing. So Shrike wasn't too happy about that. He found out about it. And he and his boys confronted Solo right when he was uh, saying goodbye to Dulana, his Wookiee mom. And Han was able to escape. But only after Dulana threw herself in front of their blasters to oh, buy him some time. Oh, I was worried you were going to say that. So His at, mom got killed. He was very sad. So he promised himself that if he ever met another one of Dulana's people, he would help them in repayment oh. to her. Otherwise, he wouldn't have given a crap about Chewie. Exactly. Okay, cool. His next job was as a pilot on this religious retreat world called Elysia. Because okay. like, a lot of like pilgrims would go there to like. I was gonna say, yeah, it sounds commune with, spiritual. It's super Asian spiritual, absolutely, sort of lots of meditation and such. And there he fell in love with a pilgrim named Bria Theron. Oh, I didn't realize that he had had a love. Oh, you Maria. will find out the young Han Solo story. I had, figured he was just sort of sowing his wild oats, but not really committing. Oh, he's a man of many loves. You'll find out. Wow. Yes. So he, he had this thing with Bria, and in the process found out the real secret of Elysia. It wasn't just a religious sanctuary world. It was actually owned by huts, and it was, intended, it was intended to lure pilgrims into becoming spice-mining slaves. So What? By like kind of brainwashing them. I mean, like, the gods say it's time to mine the spice and all that. So. Dude, that's like if the twist ending of the Canterbury Tales was that they were all being lured there to distribute heroin. I know, isn't that cool? Like, that would have been crazy. <laughs> huts are awesome. Dude. But yeah, so he and Bria obviously fled Elysia. And headed to Coruscant so Hanka could fulfill his life's dream, which is to become a pilot in the Imperial Navy. Okay, the pilot thing I understand, but would he really want to work for the government? Anywhere, anywhere he can fly and get paid for it. Okay, makes sense. Flying a TIE fighter, but good, why good money. But why would he want to fly for the rebellion instead? He like seems like a rebellious, rough and tumble You know guy. what? You think, right? And he never did. Isn't that weird? He never yeah. became a pilot for the rebellion. Never, ever. Never, never flew for them. Never did missions for them. You know, didn't didn't help out Luke and Obi-Wan. And he never did it. It's weird. He never did it. He is a man who just never did it. Right. He just never did it. So he went to Coruscant, and Bria's dad was kind of a high-ranking official. Uh-huh. And got him recommendations so he could take the test without having to get, oh, like... Oh, that's nice. Yeah. I thought it was going to be a thing where he's like, you're not good enough for my daughter. Apparently he was good enough for his daughter. Okay. <laughs> Anyone's good enough to take so him, he, So he got to take his Imperial Academy exams. Uh, he did really badly on the cultural portions and advanced math. He, oh, wow. But... Wait, I thought that his Wookiee mom taught him math. Basic math. Oh. Wookiee math. Oh. Okay. But he excelled in the technical knowledge and piloting tests. 
shouldn't that be the more important part? Well, the piloting test was super important, yeah. If they had to fly a parade route around yeah. Coruscant, like, in strict military order and everything, but Han, being Han, decided to take a shortcut. That's and goof. Instead of flying around the Arc of Triumph, which is kind of like this, the, exactly like the Arc de Triomphe. Arc de Triomphe, yeah. Arc de Triomphe in space. He flew through it instead. That nuts. And he shaved seconds off his time. That nut. He did it in less than 12 parsecs. He did. So despite his unorthodox conduct, he was accepted into the Flight Academy and okay. assigned a two-year program of flight instruction on the planet Carida. Just as he was about to leave, Bria left him without warning because she felt that she was holding him back with all of her religious hang-ups, like her baggage. She was really religious, huh? Well, she, she always struggles still. She wanted to like, go oh, back to Elysia and everything. And, oh, no. And so she's like, follow your dream, Han. Do your thing. Go to the academy. And so, wow. so they she, broke up. If you love something, you gotta let it go. I love the fact that like, Han wasn't like, no, I gotta stay with you. He's just like, yeah, right. <laughs> I, I gotta fly go to spaceships. Yep. Just as he was about to leave, though, Shrike and his boys found Han, finally. They tracked him down. Uh-oh. Yep, his old pirate dad. And this is a really stupid part of the article. I don't know the full story, but it said, <laughs> But another bounty hunter killed Shrike, and Han was able to kill the hunter. And then he left. Wait, who was that? That's the thing. There's, a, this... link, there's a link that says, Under Bounty Hunter, there's a link, and you click it, and there's an article called, Unidentified Bounty Hunter, Coruscant. And, so, and that's it? So the whole dramatic meet-up with his old master Which is and some rando. Some rando kills him. Han kills the rando. And he leaves. I feel like they could have done better. <laughs> Definitely. I feel like there it could have been some, Dengar or something. There were some anyway. possibilities there that they did yeah. not explore. Anyway, he made it to Carida and became known as an excellent pilot, but a poor student with a number of conduct reports. Mm-mm. He was kind of a mischief maker, played a lot of pranks. There's one time him and his bud Mako Spence destroyed Carida's mascot moon. With Wait, a, they what? had a mascot moon? Well, it was a moon that they, was their mascot? That they carved their logo into, <laughs> and they blew it up with That's a so gram extra. of antimatter they stole. No. Boys will be boys, right? That's exactly the plot of Angels and Demons by Dan Brown. Yeah. <laughs> they blow up the mascot moon with the gram of antimatter. Dan Brown got then, it from Han Solo's life story. And yeah. And then you and McGregor's like, what? <laughs> you boys. You boys. Solo in my office. So, but despite his reckless attitude and blowing up moons with antimatter, he graduated top of his class and the rank of lieutenant. Nice. And he started his career as an imperial officer. It was kind of short-lived, though. In 5 BBY, so Han's 24 years old, he was called to aid a commander, Nicholas, with a derelict slaving ship that was floating out in space. Okay, if there's anything that science fiction has taught me, is that, like, just stay away from derelict ships. Oh, no, definitely. Like, do not go there. Do not there's go. There's going to be, like, zombies, some weird disease, gremlins. Aliens, a portal like, to hell. Go. A portal to hell, like, don't go. Yeah. But he went, didn't But he, he went anyway. He boarded it and found that all of his cargo was missing, and he checked what the cargo was, and it was a bunch of Wookiee kids. They'd escaped. Only thing on the ship was a wounded Wookiee in the piloting seat. Oh, no. And so when Nicholas got aboard, he's like, skin that Wookiee solo. But Han Solo didn't do it because his mom was a Wookiee. Yeah, he refused. And Nicholas got really mad, and he ordered that Han and the Wookiee be sentenced to construction work on Coruscant <gasps> with Wookiee slaves. You know what, Nicholas? Go poop out your head. Well, the enraged Wookiee, who was named Chewbacca, turned on Nicholas, and, and uh, Solo refused to let Chewbacca die. So he stunned his commanding officer with his gun and helped Chewbacca escape. And that's how you get a court martial and a life debt all in one. Court martial? He's lucky he didn't go to jail, like, forever. Well, he didn't exactly serve his court martial. He kind of Just ran skipped a wo- out, skipped okay, out on good. it with Chewbacca. Yeah. Now, they eloped. He eloped as best buddies. After that, they became smugglers and they worked for various huts out of Narshada. 
They did illegal jobs under the Empire's nose, which Han Solo was super into, since like they were so restrictive and gave him a hard time about blowing up a moon and everything. Like, like seriously, how tightly wound can you? Come on, man. He became friends with a gambler named Lando Carizian after uh-huh. he saved his life from Boba Fett. And at the time, Lando was flying the Millennium Falcon, and Han was like, I really want that ship. And Lando was like, no way, Jose, it's my ship. I'll sell you a different one instead. And so he sold him a ship, which Han called Bria. Oh, after his lost love. Now, this is kind of weird. He's flying a ship called Bria, but at the same time, he had a couple of girls going on while he was oh, on Narshada. Well, See, not at the same time. Not oh, at okay. the same time, okay. but like a string of girlfriends. Um, there was one that was notable. Her name was Zaveri, and she was a magician, a stage magician. Oh, my God. Yeah. Illusionist. An illusionist. <laughs> and so Han actually was her stage assistant for a while. What? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's awesome. But she broke up with him because she wanted to further her magician career and all that. And <laughs> I love how yeah. Bria breaks up with him so he can chase his dream of joining the Imperial Flight Academy. And then Han... Uh, Zaveri. Yeah, Zaveri breaks up with Han so she can pursue her dream of sawing people in half. Yeah, so his rebound was a girl named Sala Zend, who's a fellow smuggler. Uh-huh. And she was cool, but she was really clingy, it turns out. Oh, you wouldn't think a smuggler... you think a smuggler would be like... Real seat-your-pants kind of person, right? Yeah, like, I'm a loner. But Sala was really clingy. We'll get into that in a second. He became short on cash at one point, and he entered the Cloud City Sabak tournament. And we talked about Sabak before. It's that's basically, that chess thing, right? No, Sabak is basically space blackjack. Oh, that's right, that's right. But that's there's, like, dice involved, too. Okay. So he entered the tournament yes. to play Sabak, space blackjack with dice. And the final round, he made it all the way there. And his last round was against Lando. And oh. amazingly enough, Han won. And that's how he got the Millennium Falcon, right? Well, he offered him any prize in the hangar bay, any ship you want. And Han's if, like, if, Millennium Falcon. And Han, Lando's like, that, 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 that's my ship. And he's like, and you said any ship, Lando. Dude, did did say that. It's what, a, if, what if Han had instead reached across the table and like, put his hand on Lando's and been like, you're my prize. Aw, that'd be cute. That would have been so cute. Why didn't they do that? Well, he wasn't a ship in the hangar bay, so he could be chosen. <laughs> you're the only ship in my heart. Aww. So he had the Millennium Falcon, and he kept those gold dice he used in the Sabacc tournament. Yeah. And he hung them up in the cockpit. Nice. And those are the Class. same dice that Leia gets at the end of Last Jedi. So they did keep that. Yeah. That is the thing they kept. They did, and it's in one shot of A New Hope. You can see yeah. the dice dangling in the background. Oh. Those are from a Sabacc tournament. That's something you wouldn't have caught unless you were... That's a huge super nerd. Because, like, okay, because when Luke gave her those... Yeah. I was kind of like, well, clearly that's something of significance, but I'm just going to have to infer because I don't know what those are. I'm almost positive they're going to show up in Solo, a Han Solo story, the Solo Star Wars story. You're probably right. They're probably going to make it more like explicit. I'm almost positive You're they're going to make an appearance. You're probably right about that. Just to kind of put a, put a point on it. Yes. But that's how it was in the EU, and I think it's pretty cool that they're kind of sliding that stuff into yeah. the new stuff, right? So for a time after that, he had his new ship, he got some money. He and Chewie worked in the corporate sector, in the Kean Hegemony, and other remote but potentially lucrative sectors of the galaxy. Whoa, 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 whoa. So what was this, like, corporate Corporate sabotage? sector was, was called Corsec. It was around Corellia. Okay. It was kind of like, Corellia's a place that was, it was democratic. It was also owned by a lot of big businesses and kind of corrupt stuff like that. Oh, so it was like a, like a corporate oligarchy. Yeah, a, they called it Corsec. And he was part of... Like, like here. Yeah. Hot take. Hot take. You can say hot takes out loud in Denny's, it's fine. No, I can't. You're allowed to. No one else is it's, here. It's legal to execute people for treason inside of Denny's. Oh, okay. Fact. That's true. He did all these other things, and part of the reason he took such far-flung jobs was to get away from Sala's end. Oh, she was that crazy, Well, huh? she was making wedding plans, and he's like, I don't want... Wait, even though they'd broken up? Well, Sala's end, they hadn't broken up before he left. Oh. He kind of ghosted her. Oh, no. That's not very nice. Yeah, they met up again later, but that's not what we're going to talk about today, so... Was she, like, Wayne's crazy girlfriend from Wayne's yes. World? Yes, yes, that's her, but it's She's a smuggler. Like, it's a gun rack! Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. 
Absolutely. Han continued working for huts like Jabba as a smuggler. Yeah. Uh, but one time, he was smuggling some glitter stim for Jabba. We talked about glitter stim last week. You know, it's a really powerful yep. hallucinogenic oh, yes. drug. Yes. Super expensive. Um, but it doesn't have that many ill effects. The Millennium Falcon was boarded during a run. Well, the ship was full of glitter stim yeah. by Imperial patrols, the customs officials. And so he had to jettison all the glitter stim out of the ship. And that's really expensive stuff. Uh-oh. And the stars got so high. It got so high. The stars were Fake. You ever like twinkle on glitter stem? <laughs> it's like super twinkly. <laughs> so twinkly. Never seen twinkles like this. So he couldn't recover it, obviously, and so he was in a huge debt. So that's how he ended up in debt to Java. Yes. Yikes. As a small constellation, he did was able to make the Kessel run in less than twelve parsecs. Yeah. To make up for it a little bit, but Java still. You know, he's a he's a money, he's a, a a number cruncher, right? He he oh, still yeah. saw he still saw debts in I his book. I can see him with like, like a little like abacus, kind of like yeah. sliding the beads around. Yeah, it got kind of nasty. So as a warning, Jabba hired Greedo to hunt him down, and you know we talked about how that went the first time, kind of tricked Greedo into walking away. We saw and, and also stole his Letterman's jacket. Stole his Letterman's jacket. I mean, how went the second time as well? Because that's in the New Hope when he gets shot. Yes, and that gets us caught up with Han Solo's movie roles. Wow. Do you think any of that is going to make it into... Well, we can talk about that. I'm almost... I think they're going to have some bits with the Kessel Run. That's part of my No, guess. that's got to be in there. That's got to be in there. Now, and I'm going to explain why he said he did it in less than 12 Well, I can explain why it wasn't... makes no sense. I can explain why it wasn't the EU. Okay. So, uh, what? He took a shortcut or something. Well, the Kessel Run was an 18-parsec route used by smugglers to move glitterstim spice from Kessel to an area south of the Cyclotic Cluster without getting caught by Imperial ships. And so, a parsec is an actual astronomical term... It's 3.26 light years. Okay. Or 19.17 trillion miles. Yeah. So it's a real thing in astronomy. And so 18 parsecs was the main route for Kessel. Gotcha. Uh, it took him in the dangerous route through the Maw. I mentioned the Maw earlier. It's yes. kind of this area around Kessel full of black holes. Yes. And it was uninhabitable. There was an area of space called the Pit, which was a huge asteroid cluster encased in a nebula arm. Cool. So basically, when you're flying through it, you're not only like blind to what's going on around you but also blind to your sensors and so it was like super easy way to die Yikes. but he did it Han did it he in less it? than 12 parsecs by skirting very close to the black holes closer than you probably should have and also navigating the pit really well do you think physics got all weird inside the Millennium oh, Falcon while that was going on I bet she was all like stretched Chewy, out and everything she's like turning into an infinite number of penguins oh I <laughs> an infinite number of porgs yeah 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 so yeah that was that was the Kessel Run and like I said, I hope they show it in the movie. I'm not sure if they're going to. It sounds like it might not be. Um, so I'm just kind of wondering, what do you think we're going to see in Disney's Lucasfilm Solo, Han Solo solo story about Han Solo? What do you think is going to be in it? I think that we're definitely going to see um, his childhood and how he gets off Corellia. Yeah. But I think that instead of being a corporate oligarchy, Corellia is just basically going to be like... Crappy planet? Like just crap. Again, we're saying this not having read or researched anything about the movie. I think that's yes. better that way. Oh, for, uh, Yes, thank you. Your bank is on a revillette. Oh, that's okay. Thank you. And I put this on the side. That's perfect. Thank you. You're welcome. We've just been delivered our Han Solo themed meals. And it looks like a delicious breakfast. It looks like a delicious hamburger stack high. There's bacon yep. on it. Yours was called Co Reactor. That's so good. No, I think we're going to see, like, how he meets up with Chewie. I think it's going to be an inspiring story. Do you think we're going to have the Imperial Academy show up? I 
don't think he's going to want to be the, in the Imperial Academy. I don't think he's going to be in it, you think? That just doesn't seem like a very like Han Solo-ish thing. It seems like, yeah, I know he wanted to fly, but that's an operation that's got a lot of rules, and he's kind of like a rules-light guy. And I feel like if you blew up the mascot moon, yeah. you have to know that like you're not going to be able to live by the rules set by other men. You kind of want to see that in the movie, though, right? Like, Yeah. But I mean, it's school probably things, not going to yeah. happen. I, mean, I feel like he probably didn't go to like school. We're going to see him winning the Millennium Falcon for sure. With Lando, right? I mean, that's got to be a part yeah, of it. Yeah, Lando's going to be in it. There's going to be that, um, what is it called? The Sabacc. That Sabacc game is going to be in there, yeah. for sure. Yeah. He might have a romantic interest. Well, I know Amelia Clark is in it, and I'm wondering who you think. She, I think she's supposed to be kind of the romantic interest. Like back on his home planet, maybe? Or just like something like that, yeah. Okay. So I'm wondering if she's going to be... I mean, but he has to leave her behind, because... I don't you think she might... I mean, I don't think she's going to make her be Bria or Zaveri. No, I don't think it's going to be anything of I think it's going to be like a totally different person. Totally different character. But he can't get tied out, because he's on Solo. He's on Solo, I don't think course. he's going to have any like official flying education, though. I think he's going to be the seat of his pants, hotshot, I do my own thing. And I also don't think he's going to be like a... Related to Kings or anything? I think he's yeah. just like a regular guy. I think so. We'll see what happens though. Yeah. So what's your over under on like cameos? Do you think like Jabba will be in or Greedo or Lobot yes. or anything like that? Um, I don't know about Lo- maybe Lobot because Lando's in it. Yeah. But I think Jabba and and Greedo like death almost certainly. If they're not, I will be very very surprised. My question is, do you think that Chewie's family is going to be in it? I don't know if Lumpy's. In- I mean, we- there are like Lady Wookies in the trailer. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Darth Maul is going to be in it. Like, will they ever address the fact that Chewbacca is canonically married? I don't know. And canonically has a child and an incredibly gross dad. <laughs> yes, itchy, gross, woof. All right, I'm about to take a bite of my my blaster fire burger. I'm telling you, these hash browns are good. Oh gosh. Ooh, look at that. That is a big, messy burger. That's a big, messy burger. Ooh, it's got a kick to it. Is it good? I think it has jalapenos on it. I think it has jalapenos on mm-hmm. it. Mm-hmm. There's a blaster being fired in my mouth. Recently, I've just been eating sandwiches that are like cheese, spicy mustard, and like jalapenos. And a, that's the sandwich. That's like a vegetarian blaster fire sandwich. It is like a... Exactly. It's like the equivalent of that. And I eat it like every day. And it keeps me young. Very good. Well, do you have any questions about Han Solo before we see Han Solo, Solo Story, Han Solo? Did he ever go to therapy? He should have. Yeah, he seems like the type of guy who, like, definitely should run in therapy. I don't know if therapy exists in Star Wars, but I think we should probably enjoy our food. Mm-hmm. Stop having mouth sounds be recorded. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so we'll, um, we're going to pause the tape for a minute. Okay, thanks for listening, gang. We'll be back in a sec. Okay, so quick review of your food. Oh my god, the pancakes have Pop Rocks on them. It's like, it's like the core reactor is in your mouth. It's like you put it in your mouth and then suddenly you're like, oh, it's reacting. Yeah. In my core. In my core. No, it like, it really did. It like, it surprised me at first. It's like, ooh. It is surprising. And now, thank ah, you. Thank you. I must say the Blaster Fire Burger feels like the blasters have still singed my lips off. It I mean, it had very a good. lot of jalapenos on it. It had jalapenos on it. It had like, like Gouda, Chipotle cheese. And like, it was, it was very good. But, uh, spicy. So if you're white like me, be careful. But now we have a very important thing. We bought some of the trading cards. It goes to a good cause. No hungry kids, whatever it was. What is it? No, no kid. kid hungry. No kid hungry. There no we go. Hungry kids. <laughs> no hungry kids. No hungry kids. Let's see what cards we get. We also, oh, there's a coupon right there's off the bat. Coupon. So visit your local Target to receive $1 off any one. 2018 Top Solo A Star Wars Story product. Oh, right. So we buy more trading cards. We also have a $1 coupon for a milkshake with a burger purchase. Oh, we do. You're right. And did you know that one in six kids doesn't get the food they need every day? All right. So, Joanna, who did you get in your in your deck? 
Are you ready? Yeah. <gasps> da da da. I got Kira. 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 Emilia Clark's character, apparently. Yes, and I got Chewbacca. All right. I got Range Trooper. Whoa! Whoa! It's it like a, a, it's like a stormtrooper, but with like a cool furry furry collar. Furry collar. Yeah, he ranges, and. Enfys Nest. Who's Enfys Nest? He looks like a shaman. Of, he looks like, like a, a, if, a if an Inuit tribe. Sauron. Yeah. Went like shamanic. Yeah, he's got like these blade feathers and like beads and stuff. He looks really cool. Who is this guy? I don't know. We'll so find out. See the movie. We didn't get Therm Scissor Punch, but maybe you will when you go to Denny's and take part in their menu. Come on down to Denny's and cross your fingers for Scissor Punch. Oh. Cool. And it looks like if you put all the cards together. Let's see what we got. Oh, you have two good guys. And I have two bad guys. I think they're different color backs. Oh dear! So I have two two baddies, and you got two goodies. And so I think the baddies make a tie fight, and the goodies make a new foul. Well, we're gonna have to come buy more of these then. Collect all of them. Well, very good. Well, thank you for listening to our special Denny's episode. Yes. Uh, if you like what you heard. Go to Denny's because they're they're paying us to be here, right? Right? Um, about that. Right? No. I'm pretty sure if you check our bill, we just paid them. Did I just take a blaster fire in my mouth for no reason? You you paid for the privilege. Oh, okay, that's fine. Yeah. But if you want us to do more podcasts like these, you can rate us up on iTunes or SoundCloud or Stitcher or wherever you listen to podcasts. You can also visit us on social media at Facebook or Twitter. Just search which lightsaber is precious and we're sure to come up. Joanna, it seems like she's very shy about talking inside of a Denny's. Yeah, there's not like that many people here, so it's like. No, that's okay. Easy to hear me. No one cares. It's cool, man. It's fine. Yeah. We won't be at a Denny's next week, so. Or will we? We oh. gotta get the rest of these cards. I know. <laughs> there's 12, plucked all 12. We only have four. And you all come back now, too, you hear? Yeah, here. All right, guys. We'll talk to you next week. All right. Bye. Goodbye.